Welcome to Viva La Volva, the podcast that explores and teaches about the goodness of the vulva. Here is your host, Dr. Kara Quant, an internal medicine doctor and advocate for female sexual health. All right. Well, welcome to the Viva La Volva podcast. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I have on the podcast Theron Brooks. Um, who is with me, and uh, it's actually um, um, talking about the transgender perspective of the vulva, Uh, but it's actually funny how we met. Um, So uh, Theron, uh, and I want you to explain more about it in more detail, um, but Theron and I met uh, through email. (laughs) So uh, he, he pronoun, he is doing a, um, or was doing Viva La Vulva, art, right? Yeah. So I'm going to interrupt just a second because actually my pronouns are they. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Thank no you. big deal. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I shouldn't uh, clarify that in the beginning, but well, actually what we talked about before getting on this call or at least recording <laughs> You know, I am going to uh, maybe I I was a little nervous uh, preparing for the interview and not in a bad way, but just in a way of I don't want to say the wrong thing or, you know, ask the wrong question or like, you know, be offensive. Um, But I think with anything new um, Mm -hmm. coming from my perspective, I just want to be curious. So this is going to be more of a curious conversation that we are having. Uh, looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Uh, but yes, we met through email and um, uh, Theron was doing a, or ha- has done a People of Vulva art project. And he was, or uh, Theron was um, uh, looking at the website, right? Or wanting to revamp the website mm-hmm. and came across mm-hmm. the People of Vulva LA.org uh, uh-huh. website. And so emailed us about possible collaboration. So I'm so happy that you contacted us because now we are talking on a podcast. (laughs) It's so cool. I love collaborating with people that have like similar passions. So yes. Yeah. So uh, give us uh, a little background about yourself. Well, um, I'm an 80s baby, and uh, I grew up in a middle-class family in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, went to school, and I could pro- should probably say, um, I grew up as a woman, <laughs> and uh, I was assigned female at birth, and um, and was raised in Virginia as a Southern woman, which is kind of a thing for people culturally, <laughs> and um, and uh then went to art school in New York city, um, and then moved, uh, to Los Angeles to start my career. Um, I lived and worked as a painter for most of my twenties. And then, um, after traveling, uh, pretty extensively, it's some really good road trips, um, <laughs> and deaf and, and, and bicycle trips. I did a cross country bicycle, t- uh, oh, tour. Okay. I did a cross country motorcycle tour. I did a lot of like soul searching in my early thirties and, uh, and then moved up to Northern California where I, um, still live and where I started to transition like four years ago now. Um, so, uh, so 
now I'm living up here as a working artist in some incredible, beautiful scenery and around a whole bunch of, I would say, rural queer people. It's it's a it's a really welcoming place. At least it was for me. So, um, in that so where I, I go ahead. Or I was going to ask, like, what what um, made you start the Viva La Volva art? Oh, that was so fun. So, um, I think it was an art show. Um, it was a 10-year anniversary art show. So, it was a gallery that I had been showing with um, from the beginning in Los Angeles. It was called, it, it still is, it's called Think Space Gallery in uh, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And it was their their 10-year anniversary of being open. And they had all of their artists that had shown with them put in one piece. And I did um, a tarot-based painting, and there was a vulva in it. And I thought it was pretty crucial to the content of the piece. But it it also had, like, a ram's head, and it was uh, it represented, like, the devil card. And I don't mean that, like, it was an association with femininity and, like, uh, you know, Satanism, but it was more about um, empowerment and vices, and um, and there was no real advertising with that image in it. I mean, surprise, right? Um, <laughs> I thought yeah. it was a beautiful painting. My fan base on Instagram thought it was a beautiful painting, but it didn't make it onto media at all. And then when the opening um, happened. Um, I couldn't make it for it. I was I was working up here, uh, and a number of my Instagram followers posted photos that they took of it at the art opening, and several of them made quotes that they heard other people saying about it. And um, there were things like, "This was, is so beautiful. If only it didn't have the vagina in it, uh, I would buy it." You, you know, and so I'm was horrified because I was like, this painting has Satan in it. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> these people are saying they would put a painting of Satan over their sofa, but not a painting of a vulva. Not and, a painting of a vulva, yeah. Yeah, Doesn't and so, so to me, I was like, this is kind of shocking for me. I went to art school, so I learned all about Judy Chicago and the feminist um, art movements <laughs> in the 60s and the 70s. And um, and they, I was like deeply informed by this and I, I was very confused that somehow no one else was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, I can be a little spiteful occasionally. Um, <laughs> I think out of spite, I m- decided I wanted to put a vulva in every single piece of artwork that I, um, made. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> I'm going to put vulvas in everything. And then that sort of tempered into having a project where I made specifically vulva or art that was, that was reverent and, uh, and, and respectful and beautiful and empowering. Um, and so I started making, um, these, we have local oysters here. I live right on a bay and, um, and they're beautiful. And I thought it would be really fun to do portraits of individual people that wanted to have like a fine piece, like an object that, that had their likeness in it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I also did some that were uh, not any specific person, just as a way to start putting that imagery out there. And it was not particularly well received at first, but all of these years later, it's starting to become very popular. It makes me really happy to know oh. that that um, art with 
that part of our bodies is is popular now that people like it that it's not yeah. offensive and yeah. it makes me really happy um i don't think it was actually how me doing people, it because huh what, so how were people um uh, receiving it before when you first put it out i mean i, I know about the story about you know the devil and the vulva and, and people not like that but like what were the other you know comments or like what what were people people's perspective at that time it was really fascinating, actually. There was a lot of positive um, rea- reactions, but there were also some interesting ones where it was people like, oh, I think this is really wonderful, but, you know, like, it's too risque for me, or um, I I had not transitioned yet at the time that I started this project, so, <laughs> so I definitely had the reputation of being called the vulva lady at a certain <laughs> point. <laughs> it was like a very niche thing, I guess. Um, but then there were some things that I didn't, I wasn't really equipped for to, to understand how to handle. I didn't know how to deal with... Um, people projecting uh, race into vulva shapes. Interesting. In, in my experience with human living human beings, there hasn't been a, a lot of consistency other than maybe some skin tones, but even then yeah. it's really not that consistent. Um, <laughs> it's, no, so no, I, no. I, I don't know if you have run across that as a, um, as, as someone in the medical field that people have, ideas about their bodies and attached meaning to their body parts in ways where you're like, that's interesting. Okay. I mean, as a, as a doctor and hearing patients perspectives about their Mm -hmm. vulva um, is really fascinating. And some people are like, no, I don't want to talk about it. And there's other people that will tell me everything about it. Uh, But I feel like the vast majority of uh, women with vulvas have come in, you know, saying I uh, just saying so much about their vulva mm-hmm. and many of them being ashamed, embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really I realized that I wasn't necessarily equipped to handle some of the dialogue that was coming my way. So I did slow down on producing that work for a while. Mm-hmm. Also, because as as I did start my transition, I realized that there was going to be an even more complicated layer to that discussion if I was presenting as a masculine person. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, just that I needed to do some education and growing on my own before mm-hmm. I could really move forwards in a confident way to like help educate other people. So mm-hmm. it was oh, such a powerful experience for me. I think any experience that you do where you are um, presented with uh, being in a situation that you need to grow to be able to um, really handle well, I think is uh, a blessing. What type of dialogue were uh, you getting that you felt like you weren't able to, to handle? Well, you know, there... I didn't think I had the education on uh, <sighs> trauma-informed dialogue. Mm-hmm. One thing um, I realized that while you know I had a had my own experiences with gender, that other people had varying differences that I I did not understand yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not aware of. Um, 
of how to deal with talking about um, race in vulvas because mm-hmm. as a as a white person, I didn't really feel like um, if someone had something to say about a vulva that I felt was like, that's just a vulva. That's not necessarily a vulva of color. Mm. Like that. I felt like that I, I, A, I wasn't sure if my opinion was wanted, even though this was my own artwork. And mm. also um, because I wasn't really sure, like I didn't have the, the, the language to be able to really talk about it in a way that I think would have reduced confusion Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like helped, you know, it was, it was definitely a dialogue that I needed to have a lot to have with people in real life mm-hmm. before I could start posting on social media in a way that I felt confident about. Um, and so it's, it's really complex. You can't separate gender and race. Yeah. And, and um, even though biocentricism is, um, is sort of a, a, a step we need to move past, <laughs> when it comes to gender, you know, like we still really are dealing with the body and how having our bodies defined for us affects mm-hmm. us as people. Cause that's yeah. trauma. Yeah. And, you know, and, and yeah. so those well, you are- know, I mean, I think that there are so, um, it's so good that you even had, um, you were able to bring out that dialogue, that that very important, very powerful, like potent dialogue that needs to happen amongst women in terms of like variations and mm-hmm. you know, color variation, size variation. I mean, there there's just so much, and I think that what what is also um, coming out more are people that are drawing or doing different art um, in terms of like what different vulvas look like because whether you're white or black or Hispanic or you know like like the whole gamut of races like everyone has a different vulva like they all look different lips so are big or individual it's yeah, so, so individual. individual so it's not even I, I, it's not even race related it's just individual related mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. That has been my experience. I am a I'm a bisexual or pansexual person and I'm nearing my 40s. And and so in my experience, like everyone's body has been very individual. Uh, it's it's, you know, and even with my own family members, you know, like luckily I come from a family that that's not really into body shame. So I was able to see other people's bodies. And mm-hmm. like um my body's not that similar from the other women, you know, or the other people that have vulvas in my family. And so even though I do remember feeling confused when I was younger, because I'm, I'm very lucky to have a family that did not put shame on my body. Really. Um, I still was confused with what I was learning in school and our like physical education and like what I was learning, you know, the internet wasn't really a thing yet, luckily for me. So like, I was still, I like remember checking a book out on the live in the library, you know, to like try to figure some stuff out. And like, so, you know, misinformation or a lack of information is still, you know, it, it is still there even in the best of situations. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. having this conversation because I, f- I feel like the transgender perspective, mm-hmm. transgender male perspective, mm-hmm. um, 
I haven't, it's, it's coming out, but I haven't personally heard a lot of interviews or information um, um, from that perspective. So it's good that we are having this conversation. I really like the idea that um, we can get to a point in our society where trans people don't feel so attacked and they feel a little bit more secure because, mm. um, because when they become more included, um, these are the valuable conversations. These are the things that trans people can really contribute to society besides just being like every other individual and like having a job and like a family, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like these are some unique experiences that like, you know, trans people are able to contribute, but most trans, like especially trans men are not going to want to talk about their genitalia, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially in the mainstream. It's, It's a, it's a part of their body that's used against the, them. It's a part of their body that's used to invalidate who they are. And so, um, and I'm, and I don't think that's gender inclusive. I think that, um, women are told that because they have this body part, they are women and therefore, you know, second class citizens still. Uh, And, uh, And so I feel like anyone with a vulva knows what it feels like to have have who they are dictated to them by having a body part. And, um, and so as people get more, um, more comfortable with that and your like social status and your physical safety isn't put into threat because of it, there's going to be some beautiful dialogue and I really look forward to it. Yeah, no, I, yes, I am too. I am definitely. And go, going along that path, what mm-hmm. is your connection to the vulva? Um, so, what, are, what are your experiences, especially transitioning? It's been really interesting. You know, I, I was born with my vulva and I grew up with my vulva and I've gone through two different puberties with my vulva. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so it's been really fascinating. Um, I have, I feel very lucky and privileged to have a connection to my body that I think is relatively healthy, um, mm. that I've been able to experience pleasure and joy and love with, with, my whole body, but with my vulva as well. And, um, and that I was able to transition, um, in a way that as a non-binary person, um, as a trans masculine non-binary person, I didn't feel that having a vulva made me less of who I was. And I don't feel, uh, uh, body dysphoria or, or gender dysphoria, um, involving, involving my vulva, um, and, and I feel extremely blessed for that. It's still a, a place of joy and power and vulnerability for me. Um, and even growing up, pardon, even growing up, even growing up. I mean, there's always, um, like puberty the first time was a little weird for me. I was, um, really pissed off. I put swear words. I don't know if you'll have to edit that out. I was very angry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, you talked about the vulva and the vagina. I feel like that's already a cuss word. <laughs> oh, it's true. You're right. Sigh. Um, so I do remember when I found out that puberty wasn't like a thing. Like I thought it was like a rite of passage or like a birthday and you like get boobs and you get pubic hair. You know, I like... It's like, it gives you on a certain day, right? Yeah, like I hadn't yeah. thought it through. Like I was a young child, you know, like, and so, um, 
and my puberty came a little bit later than um, than some of my friends. And so I remember when I found out that you had to grow breasts and I was so angry. <laughs> and uh and in the the rest of the women in my family have have like large breasts and I never really grew very big ones and mm-hmm. everyone um decided that it was out of um resentment that I refused to grow them <laughs> <laughs> which added a different layer when I came out in my 30s as uh mm-hmm. as transmasculine mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I did um I did get top surgery and I have been on testosterone for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so my body has physically changed in a lot of ways. Where the fat is in my body has moved around. I, yeah. I was really proud of my butt and <laughs> like packed up and moved next door. It's like uh-huh. not all and it's like I have a gut now. From the testosterone. <laughs> From the testosterone. And um, anyone who's taken birth control knows that taking any kind of hormone moves where fat is in your body. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just life. Um, but it's interesting because it's like uh, my outer labia, um, like deflated. <laughs> mm. you know, like any fat that was there, it also moved next door to my gut mm. with all the other fat in my body. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just picked up and moved to your stomach, huh? Yeah, every every there was like there was like a new apartment building that opened up, and like all the fat in my body was like, "This is the place to be now." Um, <laughs> and, how, and how long after uh, you taking the hormones did you start experiencing that? Oh, it was like three to six months. It was like the first thing to change, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, and so that was that was pretty hilarious, and it it's. I mean, how how was that? Like being in your body and taking Mm -hmm. hormones, like how, and seeing that transition, like, was there a, um, you know, depression or was there like, you know, some upset or was there like, was it happy or, you know, like what, what, what were your feelings? I think that it's very normal for people, um, when they're transitioning to have a mixture of excitement and grief. As each stage of their transition goes, because it's anybody that changes anything about their body. Um, you know, the feeling 100% about any decision in your life, it doesn't matter if it has to do with gender or, you know, taxes or whatever. Like, you never have the luxury of feeling 100%. Like, I think that's like a, a luxury of like being a teenager. We feel like 100% about it. There's always like a, but I mean, you know, there's always some considerations. And, mm-hmm. um, and so for me, um, I was elated. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't wait because I was a very high femme person. So it was a kind of a surprise to people. Even though I always told everyone I was really a dude, like Tom ways <laughs> to say that, you know, it's like when you have like full makeup with like highlights and contouring and you're like, I'm really a guy, like no one believes you. And <laughs> so um, even though I was sort of hoping I could just like kind of blink and a few years of hormone replacement went by and then I could just like be a real drag queen. Like yeah. it's a very different story for me. And so seeing any little change was uh, thrilling and empowering for me, including getting a, a hairy belly. 
Mm. Which, like, definitely, like, I was, I was sort of deconstructed. Yeah, I was excited. And, like, I think that it says a lot about deconstructing, like, lookism and beauty standards to, like, Mm -hmm. have, you know, wielded some power of attractiveness when I was living in my, in my female form. Um, Mm. That was actually a privilege that I had to let go of. And that was where the grief was for me. Whereas on one hand, people weren't coming up to me in the grocery store being like, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, there, you know, people want to talk to you and people are more likely to say yes to you when you ask them for things <laughs> or to do things <laughs> when you're attractive. So yeah. it, it was interesting because now when I was like, hey, I want my pronouns to be different, not only were people not like, oh, yeah, we love to say yes to whatever – now they were like, that's too much. Like, you know, mm. and so I had to deal with, um, I had to deal with really complex social issues and navigate my own personal, like sensitive feelings with, you know, having to struggle socially. Um, so having my body change was like, it was so exciting. It was, Hey, this is progress. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, something's happening. I mean, it might, might've been baby steps. You know, it's like, oh, the the shape of your face is changing a little, you know, like uh, you're, well, you're that you didn't have hair before. Yeah. And so it was really exciting. And um, I think it took about it was closer to a year before my clitoris started to change shape. Mm. And that was and I always had a very like um, like I in, in my head, I'm like, there's innies and there's outies <laughs> that like like belly buttons, you know, (laughs) like that's something I'd always thought about with, um, with vulvas too. And I was always an innie. And so to suddenly have my clitoris grow and to like have parts of my labia uh, menorah come out a little bit and like peek out, I was like, like, (laughs) like, and it was, I felt like a, like a teenage boy in that sense. Cause I like have friends that I'm very open with that are, cisgendered uh women and I was like like look <laughs> it's huge you know <laughs> and they were like that's really oh okay and it's like one of my friends I was like like t- this is probably really shows how intimate friendships can be but I like took a photo and I was like look <laughs> and she was like mine's bigger <laughs> <laughs> friendly banter Oh, it's so cute. (laughs) I'm so lucky to have friends that are comfortable with their bodies that like, even though we're different in so many ways that we can trust each other enough to be close in those ways. Yeah. And I was going to ask, I mean, I'm sure through transitioning that, that you were, I mean, you already explained that you're going through many emotions of, you Mm -hmm. know, like a grief and, and, and uh, transition. And so how, how was your support system? So it was really interesting to me because um, I feel like I'm very lucky because even though I have, um, you know, a family with a good dose of codependency and alcoholism, like they're supportive mm-hmm. of my transition. And I was able to, transition without having to lose my family Mm -hmm. I think that that is a really important thing to remind people that that's that is a common story 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel incredibly privileged to have my family, even though they're difficult in their own ways to deal with, um, that really they, awesome. <laughs> everyone's family, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, that I would still, I, that I, that my family was still there and, um, and, and I actually lost a number of my friends, um, right in the middle of my transition, um, for really unusual reasons that I didn't see coming. Um, I didn't realize how many women have very different friendships with men as they do with women. I don't know why I didn't know that. Maybe I did, but like then I'm suddenly shocked. You said they they have different relationships. Very different kinds of friendships. They have different expectations. They feel different comfort levels. Um, and, And so... That sometimes women um, have sort of these ideas that that uh, like around submissiveness, mm-hmm. which was interesting. So I like had to take I had to work harder to take care of myself as I started to transition. So I didn't have as much energy to give to my friends, mm-hmm. and there were a number of people in my life that could not stand for that. Um, <laughs> they weren't necessarily. They they can say for what? Uh, that shift in priorities. Oh, uh-huh. For yeah, you, your, your shift in priorities. Yeah, my shift in priorities was that I needed to care for myself first yeah. um, and take care of other people later. And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, there was a lot of, like, you know, projections around abandonment and masculinity around that decision for myself to have to make um, having my friends project masculine trauma on me, mm-hmm. uh, as we're, you know, navigating those friendship changes was really a shock to me. Um, uh, it you was like, didn't see that. you didn't see that coming. You thought that, that those relationships were solid. Yes, absolutely. And so I didn't realize, um, you know, I, I guess maybe I don't have the same trauma with masculinity that other people do. I mean, we all have trauma around gender, um, mm-hmm. everybody does like no one, no one is spared in a society where you're like forced into like all these gender roles. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it, just, <laughs> it just looks different for different people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I understood, um, how triggering, um, uh, that would be for my friends. And so that was really interesting. I don't know if it's transphobia so much as it's trauma, around masculinity and not being able to cope with um, uh, negotiating and navigating gender non-conforming people because it's like, well, do, do I treat you like a man now? You know, (laughs) like, Mm. (laughs) um, and so that liminality really tested some friendships that were not as solid as I understood. And that was sad, but but the the reality is, is do you that think it, that do you think that sorry do you think that that is happening throughout like do you think that um, the country or not the country I won't say that but that there are many people that are not transphobic but that they have that like I don't know how to treat you now uh, type right. mentality you that know people, that people may you know mistake for a phobia. Well, you know, and that's, that's the thing that, um, 
whenever you get into the difference between a, a, a phobia or a prejudice or a bigotry, and then just like a messiness with navigating things, um, there's some often a little bit of both. I mean, I had to look back at my life and figure out where my own personal transphobia was. Like, why did I wait so long to transition? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was my dialogue like with myself? And um, and so I had to deconstruct that and forgive myself for those things. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's always, um, with trauma around gender that we all have, there's always you know, we live in this patriarchy. I mean, really, we live in a chirarchy where it's like a system of complex overlapping identities that make it so you could at any point be oppressed and oppress someone else at the same time, you know, like <laughs> we live in a really complicated world. Mm-hmm. But the patriarchy definitely leaves us with um with trauma around gender and with ideas about gender having these really strong, deep, defining meanings that are sort of made up and that that it's made up, like your neighbor will have different ideas than you do about it, but mm-hmm. it will be as meaningful and, and, and deeply intrinsic to who they are as your ideas are. Mm-hmm. And, and so the moment you try to shake that up a little bit, um, it's sometimes too much for people. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that's why a lot of um you know the bathroom bills it's not about trans people it's about gender non-conforming people Mm -hmm. because most trans people you can't tell like people are like oh i've never met a trans person before and i'm like you don't actually know that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i came across a couple yeah (laughs) and and i do i i um I identify as transgender within this big system that we live in where we need to, you know, like a category or a label is only important or has meaning within its context. Um, And so in, um, in spaces where there are more queer people and gender variance is more accepted, I don't really have a label. I'm just me. And, uh, and then when I have to like, um, you know, talk, talk outside of those spaces, then I think it's easier to just say I'm transgender. Um, yeah. uh, Which is what I was going to ask you is like, what, what does that, what does that term mean to you? Transgender. So it's, it's, I mean, words are so fun to talk about. Um, I remember having a dialogue with my dad about um, the difference between transgender and transsexual. Mm-hmm. And I think the first dialogue that I had with him about it, I was totally wrong. Um, but when you're a newly transitioning person and you don't have a lot of trans people in your life, you're um, you're sort of expected to teach everyone. <laughs> But you're like kind of new to it, so you don't necessarily know everything. So you just have to come in real yeah. confident. <laughs> and look at after. Yeah, you're like everyone's in, new ambassador and like teacher of this thing that you're suddenly an expert on. When you're like totally not, it's like another <laughs> well, element right now. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask it's, me. <laughs> it's another thing that makes it feel like puberty. Let's put it that way. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like every 16 year old knows everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and so I had to go back and explain to him that like transgender and transsexual aren't all that different. There's like technical differences, but it's kind of more like if you're older, if you were, you know, in your late forties, early fifties, um, and you transitioned earlier, then you're going to use the term transsexual because that's the old term for it. Okay. And, uh, and transgender is, is a little bit more inclusive because transsexual is like that you got the full sex change or that you went from being a, a man or woman to being the opposite gender. Mm -hmm. Um, and those were really the only options there's, um, there's plenty of people that weren't that don't have access to, you know, medical procedures for mm-hmm. varying reasons, you know, money or or they live in a place where um, you know, that's not an option. Service, yeah. Right. And so maybe they didn't get those surgeries, but they still identify as transsexual. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it doesn't have to do with the surgery. It has right. to do with um the, the frame of mind kind of yeah the thing is is that um because being trans is or because being gender non-conforming is so complex mm-hmm. <laughs> um whenever you try to pin a definition down on something it'll always miss the mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i use transgender because i'm i'm a younger person and that's the words that i learned and um, and I and I have elders in my life now, which I feel really grateful for, that use the term transsexual. And I have younger friends that are trans that are um, mad at the term transsexual, mm-hmm. you know, it's because it, they're in a different context. And mm-hmm. um, and so for me, saying I'm transmasculine um, kind of helps people understand a little bit more about what they're working with. Cause when you take away the like scripts that people have learned to socialize with, mm-hmm. um, it, it like all hell breaks loose. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, and so if I, if I give them that, then they're like, all right, I'll try to treat you like a dude. And I'm like, sure. Okay. <laughs> Just be nice, whatever it is. You just know? be nice to me. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't feel, tell me about myself, you know? <laughs> so you feel like in public, it, the labels and like the terminology is good. So people have a way of kind of grasping, right? Like mm-hmm. grasping the idea. But when you're in your life with other queer people, then you're like, I don't, labels don't mean as much. They really don't mean as much. Yeah. Um, there, there's, I have two friends that I know, like that I see maybe twice a year at this camping trip I go to. And, um, and both of them are similar age and one was assigned male at birth and one was assigned female at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the various things that uh, they have, they've gone through in their life and different medical procedures and stuff, um, I get them confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like the two people I don't know very well that like, sometimes I get them mixed up <laughs> <laughs> because you just, it like, just doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. there's, there's no defining 
Um, like we're all just people at a certain point, all all these categories just kind of fly out the window and then you just get to be yourself and people remember you because your hair is orange and you're loud, you know, in my case. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I, I do like, um, as a woman, as a black woman, as I mean, like, yeah, labels are good, for yeah defining certain things but it really doesn't define my essence you know and I I feel like yeah those labels just miss the mark on somebody's character Mm -hmm. their essence their you know just the person like who they are um so I I I know that you know as a medical professional I I need to and that's what we use to you know speak to other providers about, uh, you know, patients, it's mm-hmm. labels, it's, it's, you know, terminology. Um, but I feel like in the real world, it just, it puts um, people in a box that they're not necessarily all the way in. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I do love, there's a phrase, it was a meme. It's always memes. I love memes. They're, they're so heady. Um uh, it said, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that it's a meme about dating, you know, where it's like, you know, if that person's like, I'm a mess, then be like, thanks for letting me know. But like, <laughs> but I think that it's, I was struck by it when I saw it. I was like, I mean, literally, that's like all we, like, just that. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, if, if somebody's like hey i'm this and you're like cool i'll take your word for it yeah (laughs) if they're like i'm a woman i'm a man i'm i'm non-binary space gender Mm -hmm. then you're like cool okay i know yeah (laughs) but i feel like there's not a lot of people that are willing to introduce themselves as that i feel like or at least from my perspective, I feel like even, you know, patients or whatever, like there's not a lot of people that are willing to be like, hey, this is mm-hmm. these are some of the terms, the labels or whatever that I use. I wonder about that, too. Yeah. I, I wonder because I tried that at first and it was um, always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, not that I had any physical like, you know, danger situations, but there, there is a, a safety factor to choosing when to show yourself. You know? oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's very confusing yeah. because like identifying people as a man or a woman is something that everybody does all the time, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Cause if you take like a biocentric thing, then you're basically like looking at everyone and doing the general version of, you know, boxers or briefs. Where you're like looking at them and you're like, they have a vagina. And you're like, that person has a penis, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, so it, but then when it comes to someone who's not one of those, God forbid you're intersex and you just never were anything other than who yeah. you are without yeah. a category, um, then it's somehow personal. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to know your personal business. And I'm like, but how is what I'm telling you more personal? than what you assumed about me mm, yeah yeah and so it's really it's really interesting i'm i'm reaching a place in my um 
in my transition with my testosterone where most people think I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. And I have reached a point where I have stopped correcting people that I'm not going to ever see again. Um, like, I'm not like, actually, I'm non-binary. Now I'm just like, hi, you know? <laughs> and they just, like, people think I'm... You you are or, you know, see you as a male. Yeah, like, I just let them see whatever they're going to see. I feel comfortable with who I am. I didn't, when I was just starting out, I did not feel comfortable. And so that validation and that need to be seen was a lot more important for me, which was another thing that made it feel like puberty again. Um, (laughs) It's like, when you're like in your thirties and you're going through teenager stuff, you're like, really? (laughs) You're like, okay, well, I'm here. (laughs) This is what's going on. Um, yeah, kind of a different experience. <laughs> growing, a growing experience. Oh, it's yeah. pretty wild. Um, yeah. So I was going to ask, what does gender inclusion look like to you? Oh, I love that. Because I, like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're getting as a society to become more comfortable, become more comfortable, you know, it's still a process and I feel like we have a long way ahead of us, but um, yeah. Like what does, what does gender inclusion look like? You know, I had this really great internet debate (laughs) that I got in when I was in my uh, angry puberty phase a few years ago. And, uh, <laughs> and I said something on, on social media and I said, legalize gender. Mm. And I was in the middle of doing my paperwork, um, to get my name and my gender changed, mm-hmm. um, identifying as a non-binary person and trying to get a gender change, um, is difficult. There was a law passed in California where now they allow for an unknown or an X instead of a gender. Um, which is shocking to me that it's the second state to do this when intersex people have existed forever. Wow. And you know, and so that's, go ahead. What's the first state? Uh, I believe it was Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, anybody who's listening to this is welcome to do their own research on that because I'm not an expert on the legal system, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But it, it's, you know, and, and I hope at some point you do a podcast about um, what it's like being intersex and having uh, intersex genitals that's more on the vulva side or because that's a, it's a really powerful dialogue that is, I mean, intersex people can also be transgender, but intersex people are not inherently tra- um, transgender or the other way around. Oh. Um, and they deserved to have a legal reality. Yeah. Um, before transgender people started being loud, you know, and visible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's a, it's a, you know, that is a big part of what gender inclusion would be, would be to allow space for people that physically and emotionally and socially do not conform to the gender binary. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that, that can start, um, that can start in baby steps. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I totally believe in social reform as this idea that we do things in increments, but you know, if that's something that we have to do, um, you know, doing things like 
when we're talking about vulvas, for instance, um, most people still identify vulvas, <laughs> and I understand why, with being a woman mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and with women's health. And with, um, and in Yoni power and empowerment with women's empowerment and sacred femininity and all sorts of really magical, wonderful things. Um, but they somehow exclude trans women from that. Mm-hmm. And I think the start would be to include trans women in dialogues about vulvas and women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of trans women have vulvas. That is absolutely um, a strange idea that people would think that they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and I would love for there to be this world where I could go to a conference and there could be a panel discussion with trans women, with cisgendered women, with older women, um, with um, gender non-conforming females, with masculine women. Um mm-hmm. And it all be about vulvas and mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. health. And, mm-hmm. and I would, I like dream about the idea of um, older women. Like I have had to do hormone stuff for, um, for vaginal atrophy because that's a really common issue with trans men. And, yeah. and so did my stepmother. Yeah. <laughs> I put your business out there. Um, <laughs> and, and this is a huge thing and atrophy is a huge thing for menopausal menopausal yeah. women yeah you know and and so like i mean we could talk mm-hmm. and so i would love that and i would love to hear what um older women have to say about their bodies and and i would i think it's important for younger women to hear that and i yeah. think that um including trans women of all ages in what that is like super important. I I love the idea of trauma informed workshops about embracing your body, including women that have just gotten their vulvas, mm-hmm. you know, and, and women that have just had children and are kind of reimagining what their body is now that they're not hosting someone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and so those are the things that. Um, that I dream about. I mean, wow, that is a, that is, that's a vision. Right? I love that. No, that's, that's definitely a vision. Yeah. And I, I do, I do foresee that in the future. Ah, 100, oh 100%. I want to be there for that. It just, <laughs> it, you know, it sounds great. I, uh, I don't think that we should get rid of gender. Mm-hmm. I think that we should make gender something that, is varied and fluid and beautiful and not something that you have to shift your legal status for. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, if the, if it was just this beautiful thing that was a part of the richness of who you are as a person within the context of your culture, because mm-hmm. you know, it's like, there's a lot of different genders depending on what cultures you're in. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so like if that was just a thing that was celebrated as another one of our differences on this panel discuss- discussion could happen, I'd be like, we made it. We, 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 we hung I, up that old I, rag, you know? Yeah, we, I would we say that is, not, that is not a hard panel. 
to compose or to put together. But yeah, no, I, I love that idea of just getting every uh, different perspectives from different vulva owning people or people that just you know got their vulvas or yeah, like I I love that that conversation and that ah. what what the the juiciness that can come out of that the brilliance the yeah the, the power that can come out of that. That's pretty cool. Yes. Well, well, we are uh, coming to an end of the podcast or of the interview. And I wanted to um, have you uh, leave the listeners with something uplifting, like an uplifting thought or idea. This is what I'm starting with uh, the podcast at the end. Just something good and uplifting about the vulva. Well, the thing that I was sitting down as I thought about that um, that question, I love the idea, rather than me having a little quip about a vulva that's specific to me, I like the idea of inviting people to know that they're in control of their stories and that their vulva is a part of them, but it doesn't define them. And I love the idea of of leaving an invitation, leaving with an invitation to our listeners to think about stories about their own vulvas and knowing that their story is both shared and completely unique to them mm-hmm. is something that I like to think that we will all be able to think about our bodies that way one day. Mm. So. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Just um, yes, it, the story does not have to define us. The stories about our vulvas do not have to define us as they, people. They don't define us, but they're our, they are our stories and they are special yeah. to us, you know? Yes, yes, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for, um, Theron, for being on this podcast and for sharing your stories and experiences and being vulnerable um to yeah have this important discussion so i appreciate you uh well i really appreciate and really adore that we were able to get in connection this project is super awesome so thank you for being open to talking with me yes and happy new year Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year. And 2019 is going to bring some amazing stuff and maybe even a collaboration between us. I mean, this is our, but you know, maybe some more. I, I'm totally into it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Theron. Well, uh, I thank you again and yes, Happy New Year. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.